0: Welcome to Female Inner Power, the podcast for women who don't want to choose between work success and life happiness. I'm your host, Nomi melkian leadership coach and courage catalyst. Each week, I will share a refreshingly honest conversation about how to trust your intuition, lead from female power in male dominated spaces, and inspire you to be a more confident force for good in the world. Are you ready? Welcome, welcome to another episode of Female Inner Power. Season one is over. This is bonus content and I'm thrilled to be able to bring you this episode that actually is an episode where I was a guest on a podcast called The Imposter Syndrome Files with Kim Meininger. I highly recommend that you check out Kim's podcast. Did you subscribe to The Imposter Syndrome Files as well as hopefully subscribing here to Female Inner Power podcast. Um, If if you're like me, more than one podcast is absolutely required for different inputs in your life. And I so loved this conversation with Kim. I also was surprised when I listened to her her podcast, Impostor Syndrome Files, because I was thinking, well, how many different episodes can she do on this topic? Like, really? Um, but what's beautiful is, yes, every episode has something to do with imposter syndrome, but there are so many different aspects. The conversations go to all different places. I've listened to several episodes on that past podcast, so I highly, highly recommend it. And I asked him if I could bring the full interview where I was a guest on her podcast, if I could bring that here to you, listeners of Female Inner Power podcast, because I just really thought this conversation was so incredibly helpful. I share the story of how I became a coach, but also we talk about power and reframing power. And then, of course, we talk about imposter syndrome and I give away and I share what I think of as the most powerful and we could even say spiritual way to in a way bypass imposter syndrome to become the most impactful you without self-doubt and how to not make it about you. And so I share all of this in this podcast. There's tons of valuable information. The energy was brilliant. I loved having the conversation and I just I wanted to bring it to you. Um so Subscribe to this podcast, Female Inner Power Podcast, if you haven't done yet. Check out Kim's Imposter Syndrome Files podcast and subscribe there. And if when you listen to this episode, you think, ooh, I'd love, I'd love to go deeper on working through my imposter syndrome and just being done with it. Check out there's a link in the show notes. I do have a self study online course on how to deal with your imposter syndrome. It's a super powerful online course. There's lots and lots of practical tools in there and it's set up in a very easy digestible format to fit into your busy life. I've run it both as a self study course. I've also run it actually as a workshop for a company and they were incredibly grateful for the power of this course. So, I hope you'll check that out if you want more, but for now it's time to share with you this interview so let's take a breath and dive in
1: Ah, oh, welcome Numi it's so wonderful to meet you I'm loving our conversation so far and I would love to invite you to introduce yourself
0: Thank you. Well, I'm thrilled to be here because imposter syndrome is definitely something that shows up again and again and again in my coaching work. So I'm Normie. I have been coaching for more than 15 years. I'm an executive coach and courage catalyst and also the host of a newly released female inner power podcast that went live um, at the time of recording. It was a week ago. Um, and I got my first paid coaching client at the age of 27, which this was back in 2007. So you can do the math of my age. Um, At that point, there was not a coaching school in every corner as it feels like there is now. So it was quite unusual to be 27 and doing leadership coaching. And I remember coaching people that were mostly like double my age. I didn't see them because I did phone coaching most of the time. So that was quite a fun experience. And I remember hanging up the phone from that very first coaching session. I just felt so incredibly excited. I was like, wow, I have made it and I get paid. And I get paid £22.50, which is not much difference in dollars because <laughs> I was working by a consultancy. But I was just thrilled that this was possible. And I, I still feel the same joy and excitement I don't charge 22 pounds 50 anymore in case anyone's wondering <laughs> the <laughs> price has gone up <laughs> but I still feel such I'm sure you feel the same like this privilege of sitting with wonderful humans that are wanting to do great things in the world and they're trying to figure out how to do it at a bigger scale but in a way that's good for them and good for their families and good for the work and often they share things that they haven't shared with anyone it did, didn't even you know, know themselves beforehand. So I feel the same kind of joy and privilege I did 15 years ago.
1: I'm curious because you were in the earlier side of your career when you started, did you experience any imposter syndrome when you started your
0: own coaching practice? Well, I had a um, quarter life crisis at time off work at the age of 25. So I had two weeks off, which clearly wasn't enough, but anyway, mm-hmm. I had two, two weeks off with stress. I think they called it stress because that was like an acceptable term. And at the time, I don't know if it would have cl- classed it as imposter syndrome, but it was maybe the best friends of imposter syndrome, you know, high inner critic, high perfectionist. So imposter syndrome is really close buddies. And (laughs) (laughs) I had been promoted twice really quickly. So on the outside, I was doing amazing. I'm from Denmark originally, and I was living in London. i had been living there for a few years. But what tends to happen, I think this is often what happens to many people when they have a, a crash or you know, suddenly it's too much. It's not one thing. It's layer after layer. So my inner critic coupled with my inner perfectionism, coupled with more responsibility, coupled with my support system disappearing a bit because people left London, because when you're a foreigner, you meet other foreigners. And all of that together had me very depressed, very low, not quite knowing how to be good enough. So I didn't know that that was maybe a form of imposter syndrome. Um, But it was more feeling like the inner critic was beating me up constantly. And I just didn't know how to show up and be happy. And I didn't know how to live up to the responsibility. So what changed? Well, so I had two weeks off. <laughs> 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 I had already done personal development beforehand. Um, so I was relatively aware. I started doing therapy and then went back to work because the ambitious me wanted to go back and deliver a conference. I was a conference producer at that point and there was one coming up and I was like, there's no ways I'm not delivering it. I'm not handing it over to someone else. So I went back to deliver that, but at the same time thought I need to exit this job. I tried to move around and get another job within an organization which wasn't possible because where I was they were very happy having me because I was making lots of money for the organization and one of the things I noticed was when my values didn't align with what I was doing it didn't really work for me so part of it wasn't wrong the work I was doing but it just wasn't my heart wasn't in it and that was problematic for me and so I did massive amounts of soul searching and I left that job I think this is often what people have they leave and then they think it will be better right but Mm -hmm. we take ourselves (laughs) wherever we go Mm -hmm. and I had a bit of commission money so I thought okay well I have money for a while I had this other corporate company this client of mine that had been interested in hiring me so they said well, we want to hire you, and I was like, "Wait, I've quit. I'm ready." And they're like, "Whoa, we're not ready for you yet." Um, and it's like, "That's okay. I want some time off anyway. I'm not ready yet either, but like, I'm basically available." And they're like, "Okay, that's great. You know, that'll fit. Like in three months' time, we'll be ready to hire you." It's like, great. So I had this space of time. It was a blessing in disguise. This job never happened, but it was a blessing thinking I had this job. Because I remember going to Pilates sessions in the middle of the day and doing my personal development and just having the space to kind of think and reflect and recover. And the um, job never came. So in the meantime, London's very expensive. So not earning was not an option. And I started temping. I started taking a job that didn't have any responsibility at all. I just didn't want responsibility. So I did that for a while. And then I met an executive coach. So my old company wanted me back for something. I wasn't interested. They tried to ask me what I wanted to do. I was like, something people. I I didn't even know what it was, but something people. And bless the CEO of this company, put me in touch with two people. One said, hey, you're in a catch-22. You don't have experience. You can't get any. By the way, that's not true. I have later on learned you can always get experience. That is a very common, unhelpful thing people say when you want to switch careers and switch areas. The other one said, Hey, I'll meet with you. And he met with me for two hours and those two hours changed my life. And at some point in those two hours he said, You want to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And my jaw just dropped because like I had done this for fun and I'd been part of personal development. He said, But you're not ready. I said, What do I do? And I was finally feeling better. It had taken me like six, seven months to start feeling stronger again from from this time off. And it does take time, right? But it was good for me at that period. I think often people think that I need the whole time off. It was very good for me to have this temp job, this work without responsibility, but like where I was showing up and I was, you know, showing up in the world and I was making some money. And he said, it doesn't matter. You're not ready yet. So I went and took a job that was totally wrong. I could do it, but it wasn't right. And then going in there thinking I want to do that coaching thing and so I was there for I think just about a year and I left and I started retraining to become a coach and got great advice how to get experience when you don't have experience you get a coach you start coaching friends for free and you know you just get on a roll, like you just, whatever it is, you can always get experience, you know, later on when I wanted workshop experience, and people said, oh, we can't hire you for workshops, you don't have experience, well, I just started hosting workshops, (laughs) and you just (laughs) make it happen for yourself, which I think is, you know, such an important thing, that you can always take the next step.
1: Yeah, I love your story, and I think you're absolutely right, we get Or we're meant, uh, we're led to believe either through other people or our own assumptions that we're locked into these boxes. And it's interesting because I've hesitated to go down this path in how I think about the inner critic and how we talk to ourselves and the relationship we have to our work, because I know that this comes from a place of privilege, right? Not everybody can have a career that they're like m- madly in love with their work, et cetera. I mean, and so I I don't want to take that for granted, but I do think going back to what you said about the misalignment of values, that a lot of times what's happening when we don't feel good about ourselves in our work environments is that it's just not the right fit for some reason, right? And so we it's easier to blame ourselves than it is to admit that this isn't the right thing, and then have to be faced with that daunting path of how do I figure out what is meant for me and what do I do if I don't have that experience? And so we often feel like we don't have time or we'll never get there. And so it's just easier to say, well, if I just change, if if I just am more perfect or you know, I, I just work harder, then I can make this work. And unfortunately, it usually doesn't lead to that
0: yes and i also think that when we start thinking about dream work and the purpose in the world um we tend to get so impatient it's like well if it doesn't straight away is going to make me money if i straight away don't know how um this will change things then then it then it's not the right thing i think Like you you probably come across so many people that say, oh, well, I had a great experience of being coach and I like helping people. So I think I want to become a coach. And I'm like, well, that's one thing you could do with helping people and loving talking to people. And you can do that in a million different ways, you know, and so I've coached people in all fields that their passion isn't necessarily their job title, but it's what they get to do. It's the vehicle of that. And so sometimes some inner shift can make the role you're in more fulfilling and like it's not necessarily always like oh well then I want to be this but how would I ever make money being that and it's like no but wait maybe you could flex it if you really love writing maybe there's a chance you could write more in your current job or if you really love connecting with humans okay well well how could that be more part of your role and so it's not like a total like okay well I just have to do a 180 and do something totally different and as you hear in my story it wasn't like a straight from the moment i figured it out to i got there it took a while and after i started coaching it took a while before I <laughs> earned some more, some more money and i guess i was fortunate in that i was single and i was um i didn't have any kids and i didn't have any responsibilities and i lived simply and and that was that worked for me for a period of time um but if you're later on and you have responsibilities there's so many ways that we could you know shift a little bit and people often think, oh, well, that's not, is that really going to make a difference? But a little, like in a few years, like if you keep making smaller tweaks, makes a massive difference. That is such a great point. I'm glad you said that on both
1: ends, right? Because I think that small shifts within your current role can make a huge difference. And a lot of times we assume that this, the current situation is fixed, right? Um, this is the way it needs to, to work or this is the way we've always done it. So there's no possibility for flexibility when in actuality, if you know what you enjoy doing or what you're really good at, you can be even more valuable if you double down on that and to go to your manager and say, I'm at my best when I'm doing this type of work, what possibilities exist to do more of this, right? Because uh, in in making those assumptions, we continue to do things in ways that aren't fulfilling to us. And when we do that, we're not giving our best to our organization as well, right? So it's to everybody's benefit for all of us to speak up and say, I like doing this more than I like doing that. It's not, to me, it doesn't mean we'll get away entirely from things we don't want to be doing. I mean, I'm my own boss and I still have to do things I don't want to do all the time, right? But there's more freedom there. And the great thing about it is that we all love different things. So if I speak up and say, I love doing this and someone else loves doing the things I don't like to do, then we all get to do more of the things that bring us fulfillment,
0: absolutely and i think to anyone listening if they're wondering about how to start with that it's like notice the days where you you're tired but it, but like it it didn't really feel like work you like you were lit up it was fun it's like a different kind of tired those days it's like okay what was it that made those days particular fun why did i enjoy this what was it about it and really drill into that and then also you know leaders always say well don't come with the problem come to me with a solution so like coming saying I don't enjoy my job I don't feel motivated by it I'm not fulfilled with it it's like every leader goes like I don't know what to do with this person but if you could come and say listen I'm not sure we can change this instantly but here things I really enjoy I could see that this part of the business could really use this or maybe I could take on more of this project or you know I aware that then I would like to let go of this and maybe that can't happen instantly if you come with a solution and you're proactive and going here's Something I'm really passionate about. Here's something I think I really excel at. Here's something I'd love to do more of, and I could see how that could be beneficial to the organization. So you straight away set it up as a win-win, and it's and then becomes much easier for people to say yes to rather than I'm not motivated, you know, fix me, which is much more the victim position. It's like I'm not happy at work. You sort it out, line manager, and the line manager goes like, Well, I'm not sure I'm happy either. I don't know how to (laughs) fix that. You just got to get on with it. Like that's just how the world of work works, right? So it's it's very much in the like you shifting and, and us shifting ourselves and knowing like a little shift can totally transform how things feel. But it's, we've got to go back, get into our personal power, which is like why I always talk about inner power, right? It's like the, and people feel so conflicted about the word power. Like, oh, I don't know about power because the word power has been misused. But but everyone knows they don't want to be powerless,
1: Oh, I love that. So say more about what inner power means to you. Like, what, how, what, What's the reframe around power that makes it more accessible to people?
0: For me, the old power paradigm is I have power if I have power over people, right? It's the old fearful patriarchal society. I have power if I have power over you. I'm a leader because I have a team that reports to me. I have this many people in my department reporting to me. Whereas the inner power paradigm and and what I work with, it's not not just men and women. It's the feminine and the masculine because you can be a woman. I mean, classic example is Margaret Thatcher. You can be a woman, but leading totally from the masculine and everyone knows her. So it's such a classical example, right? Um, So it's not about your gender, but it's leading from the feminine. And the feminine power paradigm is like, I'm in my power, I am taking responsibility for what is mine, and I am lit up, I am showing up in my power, and so when you're in my presence, you remember how great you are, you're going to feel better about yourself, because I'm not showing up in victim, but I'm also not trying to power over, I'm going to see the best in you, because I remember the best in me, so it's like we're going to stand side by side, and it's much more leadership like I would say the birds, what is called memorations. You know, people taking turns to lead. It's like, who cares really who the official leader is? Yes, someone might have more overall responsibility, but the best is when we're all in it together. And then we take turns to lead and we have different qualities we bring to it. We have different periods also where we feel stronger. I mean, we're not not machines. We're not bringing the same quality of energy every day. That just is a fact. We think we're going to perform the same every day of every month. Like, no, no, men or women, that's not the case. We have periods where we're going through grief. We have periods where we didn't sleep well at night because, I don't know, we had toothache or we had children that were waking us up at night. Um, And some days we still show up and we're full of energy and we're like, yes, I've got this despite not sleeping. And other days we're not. So that bit of like, I'm in my power and that invites you to be in your power too. And I know that my power has got nothing to do with having power over anyone, which is fear. It's nothing to do with actual power.
1: And so when you think about getting to that point, like for for people listening who maybe really appreciate that concept
0: but don't feel like they're there yet how do we close the gap so if we make the link from there and and bring back also imposter syndrome for me what I find is that so so many people are told okay you need to be more assertive you need to be more confident and that usually has the people that I coach the most Block a little bit, because it sounds like, well, so I have to be more full of myself, like that doesn't sound nice. I don't like those people that seem self promoting and seem full of themselves, and so I work with a concept that I call being the channel, so for me here, it helps that people believe there's something more to the world um we could call it being spiritual, but I've said, and I start saying this more and more people and even when they're like, "Mm, I'm not sure about the spiritual piece, they kind of get the concept because it's kind of like, all you've got to do is say, thank you, whatever, whether you believe it's God, universe, whatever, the gene lottery, you just say, thank you. Thank you for the talents that I've been given. Thank you for the experiences I've had for better and for worse, right? We learned something from all of them. Thank you for everything that I have experienced so far. What am I a channel for when I am nervous about whether I'm going to say the right thing, when I'm nervous about whether I'm going to be too much or too little or get it right or step on someone's feet or whatever it is, then it seems that I'm being humble and I am... it's better because I'm not arrogant. But actually, I'm being very unhelpful. Because where am I focused? I think I'm focused on other people. But really, I'm focused on my inner dialogue. Mm. All my fears and worries is what I'm listening to. That's all I'm hearing. I'm not really present in the room. I'm hearing my own dialogue. That's going, Oh, no, maybe this person won't like me. And maybe I could lose my job. And I might not get my promotion if this happens. And I don't know. And they said, be a little bit less like that and more like that I'm not I don't know how to do that I'm just listening to myself so instead I say be the channel what are you a channel for what is the kind of information that if you don't speak up it won't be said so recently I had a client and she said well I hear all of them go round and round and to me it's really clear so I was like okay well it seems like you're a really good channel for clarity like things make sense to you Hmm. and she was like yeah. And I said, okay, so when you don't speak up, they go round and round in circles and there's less clarity on the table. She was like, yes, okay. So speaking up is not about you. It's about you contributing. It's about you being useful. And anyone that I'm coaching, they usually are like, I'm not about the ego. I'm about impact and I like to have fun, right? I think joy and impact go hand in hand. And so it's like, thank you, but what am I the channel for? Or another way of thinking of it is like, what am I the spokesperson for? So I had a a designer years ago, and she was like, they've told me to be more assertive in meetings. I need to speak up more, blah, blah, blah. This is why I got coaching. And she says, but I can't be bothered speaking up. I do say things, but they don't listen. And so I don't want to say it again. I don't want to be like these other people. said, okay, well, when your voice isn't heard, what's not being represented? And she thought about it. She was like, well, my role is the user perspective. I was like, okay. She said, well, finance and marketing are being heard because they're very good at speaking up. They're very loud. <laughs> and the salespeople speak up too. I was like, okay. So the product ends up being less good. The user experience ends up being less good. She was like, yeah, when they don't listen to me, the user gets a worse experience. They get a worse deal. It was like, okay. So is that motivation to speak up? And she was like, yes, I would never do it for me. But I'll do it for that. And she actually ended up, because she's a designer, creating a little figure that she took with her to meetings to kind of go remind her that this is who I'm speaking up for. Right? This is my purpose. It's not about me. And so totally bypassing this bit about what does confidence look like? And, and I do do work around that. But this is like a, a bypass of that of going, wait, what am I channel for? What am I spokesperson for? and then you get to be powerful. But it's not about you. It's about the impact and who you're speaking on behalf of or what you're speaking on behalf of. I
1: love that so much. That's so consistent with how I think about things too, because I really do think of it as being of service, right? And what you just described is very similar to the framework that I often recommend, which is if you're, if you're behaving in ways that Are making you anxious or you're uncertain about, or self doubt is creeping in to ask yourself, Am I coming from a place of ego or am I coming from a place of service? And sometimes coming from a place of ego looks like trying to look like the smartest person in the room, right? I want to be, you know, I I don't want to be humiliated. I'm going to flex my muscles and bully other people into my idea. Or it could be like you're describing, I'm in my own head. I'm listening to my inner critic. I'm not actually making an impact of any kind. I'm not serving anything by doing it this way. So which path available to me is in greatest alignment with service versus ego? And if you kind of keep that framework in the back of your mind, it becomes a check for you as you're moving forward in these uncertain situations. And you're absolutely right. It's not about us, right? It's how can I be of greatest value? in 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 our roles that's what we're there to do so i love really staying focused on which voice am i here to represent or you know what what am i here to do what's my purpose for being here
0: so that i can ensure that i'm at, adding value not making it about me I'm sure also this is how you're staying consistent with your podcast, right? Because it's about the service of it. Because, I mean, having a podcast myself, this is not the quickest way to uh, get a following. It's not the quickest way to make any money for anyone listening. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of investment to make a podcast happen and to stay with it. If you were doing it for your ego, you, I'm sure you would have stopped long ago. So, like, I mean, what's your, like, what What are you doing it for? Like, how? what are you showing up for, right? Like, with your podcast, you must be showing up for something of being of... Service. That's exactly right. I, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, this is this is
1: a, a labor of love, right? Because it takes a lot of time, and it, I do it because I'm on a personal mission to destigmatize the experience of imposter syndrome and help people feel less alone and and understand what they can do differently to better manage their own confidence and their own experience in the workplace. So, yeah, I think that's a really great way to think about it. And we often feel particularly as women, when we say things like, oh, you know, oh, it's not about the title, right? Mm. Yeah, it's about the title. And there's nothing shameful about that, right? Because that is an elevation of my responsibility. I'm making a greater impact i'm saying to my organization i want to do even more for you i want to take on even more responsibility so that i can be of even greater service and i want to be recognized for that right and and i think that so often we feel like ooh that feels icky right like it shouldn't be i shouldn't care about the title i shouldn't care about my compensation but no you're you want to be adequately rewarded for your willingness to give of your skills and oh. strength
0: and time, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that, you know, the the bit that you're in service of, right, it keeps you, it sustains you, it keeps you going when the going gets tough because it does no matter where you're at. But like you said, I think it's so important that us women normalize talking about ambition um, because it's been like, oh, well, who are you power hungry, money grabbing, blah, blah. And it's like, wait, what? The men have always done that. And the world does not change unless those that are reluctant to go for the power, go for the power. And it's not, I think most of the, I'm sure we have similar type clients, like the clients we have, and I'm sure those that are listening here, it's like, I don't want the title for the sake of the title, but it's like, wait, here I can have a bigger impact. And I always, I mean, i very often said with clients when I like their values and I can hear they're interested in societal issues, I go like, hey, uh. So did you think about going into politics? <laughs> because my <laughs> personal mission then that we need a new breed of politicians. And I think we need a different kind of, of leader. And so when people say, but I don't see anyone, you know, role modeling how I want it to be. And I don't see anyone doing it how I want to do. I'm like, yeah. That's the reason why I need you. I have two daughters. I want the world to change. Like, (laughs) if you won't do it for yourself, do it for my daughters. (laughs) The the piece of it won't change unless we dare say, hey, yes, I'm going to lead here. I'm going to lead. I'm going to step forward. I'm ready for more impact. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be willing to get it wrong. I'm going to be willing to let you judge me because that's one of the risks of, you know, they will actually, it's not just a risk, it's a certainty. They will judge you for sure. They will judge you. And it's like, but that's going to be worthwhile because I know what I'm here for. It's like, of course, I should have massive compensation because I need to look after myself and my well-being, well-being and, and everything. I shouldn't have to worry also about how I fund it all. But that's not, that was not the, the end goal that's right. And gold is, is the impact and it needs to feel great being me. And I, I, I'm here for a reason. And that's what sustains us. I love
1: what you just said too, about a new breed of leadership. Right. And I really worry that the people who fit the profile that we're describing of, you know, sort of more naturally humble, less ego driven, but really, have strong values and want to make a difference are going to opt out because they don't see themselves. And then it becomes self-perpetuating, right? Only the leaders who fit this outdated model that doesn't work for anybody are going to continue to take on those roles. And we lose out on this opportunity for change. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier when it, it's that seeing what what we see today as fixed, As opposed to this is one way of doing things. It doesn't mean it's the only way of doing things. And you called yourself a courage catalyst. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really at the heart of a lot of what we're talking about is having the courage to challenge the status quo, right? To accept that just because
0: this is what we see doesn't mean this is what it has to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't realize at first there was this. This was actually because I was like, well, courage is people that want to, you know, that's when you want to jump out of a plane. And I couldn't think of anything worse. And <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to want to do that. Right. Um, and so, but I realized later on that, yes, I do have that. And I inspire that in others. Because for me, it was like, what are you here for? Like, dare to let it be bigger than you and dare to go, I am going to show up for this. And then, I'm going to see what happens when I'm really going to show up for this. And what you said is so important. Those words of like, when you're courageous, you're going to challenge the status quo. And for sure, if you challenge the status quo, you're rocking the boat and people, even if they want the change, are going to go, ooh, what happened here? And there's going to be fear and there's going to be anxiety and there's going to be some people that had a lot of vested interest. Maybe they don't want, they might have lots of unconscious bias, but they are vested interest in the system as it is. And then I go, wait, you did what? You challenged a way it has always been, this is how... Leaders have always been in our organization and this is how we've always run meetings. And these are the hours we work. You, you, you what? I mean, COVID did a lot, a lot of good and a lot of bad. One of the things was, hey, you can work from home when you can trust people to work from home. Right? They, they, by the way, work way too much now. I'm, like they work ever more than ever and it's really bad. But, um, but that bit. So what happens when we challenge the status quo, we're risking our belonging and humans are wired for belonging more than anything we do weird and wonderful things in the name of belonging to feel like we belong and it is scary to challenge the status quo and to challenge the system even in a smaller way because you could risk being out and in our system it's like ooh, i might lose my job maybe i'll even lose my career if these people that judge me are very influential in my industry maybe i i they'll speak about me badly and and so I think the risk is, is real and it requires massive courage. And that's why we need to know what we're doing it for. Like Rosa Parks, the famous freedom fighter, she has a quote uh, that sa- says something like, knowing what must be done does away with fear. Mm. I don't know that it does away with fear totally, but knowing what must be done has to kind of go, that's more important than my fear. Yes. And that for me is a bit of like, what's more important when I get to the end of my career, end of my life, whatever. Will I go, uh, well, I was always a little bit afraid and I almost spoke up, but not quite. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: And that was okay. And I kept myself safe. Or will I go, you know what? I found ways to constantly expand my courage and constantly expand my ability to speak truth and to find ways to speak truth in a way that we could keep shifting things and changing things? And will I go, wow, I had men's butterflies, but that was worthwhile.
1: Mm. That is such a powerful way of thinking about it. And because we don't often think about our future selves and how we're going to look back on the choices that we made. And if we can zoom out and really think about what will I regret more, right? That I gave into that fear, that I played small or that I took that risk, even if it didn't make everyone happy, because it never will. And I think just really, I love that quote that you shared too, because if you know what you stand for, then it doesn't really matter. There are always gonna be people who are out of alignment with that. I love this quote and I wish I could remember who said it. I often post it on LinkedIn, this idea of like, I don't want everyone to like me. I should, I should think less of myself if some people did, right? <laughs> um, and I think that's just such an important reminder that when you can find the why that's bigger than you, the right people will get on board with that. And you want to stand for something. And when you stand for something, it will naturally differentiate you from the people who don't share your values. And that's a
0: good thing. Totally, absolutely.
1: Oh my goodness, Numi. I could talk to you all day. This is such an amazing conversation and I think you've you've given us a really good sneak preview into your new podcast too, which I'm going to link to in the show notes <laughs> so that everybody can come and listen to more of you. Where else can people find you
0: if they want to hear more and experience more of how you think? Go to nominatan.com or nominatan.com forward slash everything. And then on the everything page, you can find free paid and everything, all the offers. And yeah, that the the website, the podcast, and I also hang out on LinkedIn. So you can also find me there. I have an unusual enough name that it's easy to find me. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for the
1: inspiration (laughs) and for the insights. This has been such a great conversation.
0: I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And I would love it if you would rate and review the show as it really does help other women to find it more easily. Remember, no matter what's going on around you, it only takes a single breath to start grounding back into your power. So let's take a breath. Feel your power and go spread the magic.